This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. On scorenorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is just fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go here. Score North Twin Show, Roycey on baseball. Patrick Roycey and Derek Wetmore here with you. I'm in St. Paul in the Humbert Studios. Pat's holding down the fort in Golden Valley. Pat, how are you today, sir? Just fine. I'm uh, sitting out on the deck. It's uh, I don't know what's the temperature. It's got to be in the 50s. The uh, Cardinals are out here just uh, whistling up a storm. I think they all got their uh, eye on the same young lady because they're trying to. Uh, they're trying to. <laughs> Is that what they're doing? Here. Okay. But there's uh, there's a lot about here today. That's good. I like to see them. Uh, I like to see birds. It's uh, we we had our. We had our annual early spring run on robins, but now they've disappeared. But we got the cardinals. Yeah, nice. Anyway. Um, hey Pat, you guys finished up your uh, five days of. Oh, I think you finished it up. Maybe a, be extended no, by popular demand. I, I'm doing the oh, I'm doing the whole homestand. Oh, good. Uh, I got two more to go. I got two more to go. It's. Uh, I think I'm wearing some people out though. I'm starting to get okay. That's enough. Let's knock it off. And uh, that's the trouble. If we dived in to do this. Uh, thing in the Star Tribune, we had to do the whole seven games. So, yeah. uh, you know, we, okay. I, I guess we could have said there were two rainouts. And then, <laughs> I mean, there were only six games, but I wanted to do an off day one. So, uh, it, to, to make it the whole homestand. So sure. this could have been done straight and not the whole premise that these games were being played. A, a very soft premise, by the way, that, uh, these games were being played at Target Field. Uh, but uh, I, I didn't want to write it straight. I was sick of writing. Boy, this was a great game, you know. So I, uh, I, 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 they wanted me to do this, and I threw this at them, and they said, eh, "Okay." I, you know what I found <laughs> out though, Derek? What's that? You know, but in like, oh man, twenty years ago, probably before the internet, before social media, uh, you know, so twenty-five years ago. When you had sat there, you just laid it out there, man. You just threw it out there, and it, you just tried to make it outrageous enough that people knew it was satire. Now we got to label it. <laughs> uh, now, now we pretty much have to tell them in advance that uh, you know, because I wanted headlines on it like "Twins win, o- uh, Twins lose opener six nothing." Yeah, or, you know, just leave it, leave it stand there. But we. And I think that's probably a product of the internet because then it gets circulated and it stays there forever. And then people, you know, then it becomes 
people look at it and they think it's fact. Yeah. Uh, later on in life. So we're much, I, I, A, I don't think we have as much appetite for satire. We do have appetite for visual satire, you know, on Twitter and stuff. But I don't think we have as much appetite for uh, printed satire as we used to have, which is okay. But I remember writing a column. Well, when when did Holtz leave? Holtz left here in '85, right? And the whole thing about I want to, you know, Notre Dame sister Mary Harriet used to sing, have to sing the Notre Dame rouser when we marched out of school, and you know, Notre Dame had always been his dream. Saying going back to St. Aloysius Grade School in what East Liverpool, Ohio, or wherever he's from, and uh, so then the Texas job opened up like four years later, and I wrote. I wrote that Lou was going to Texas, you know, and used the whole send-up from what – it was a complete send-up from when he left here for Notre Dame that he, you know, the, the, he had, a, had somebody who in grade school always gave him the hook of horns and the whole thing like that. And, <laughs> and But we never, we never gave a hint that this was BS. You just had to uh, – you just had to, you know – realize it was bs but now we uh we we can't we can't do that and i guess that's understandable well the only time i remember pat you got in trouble not in trouble but you got uh the satire thing it was starting to become clear it was not uh the the audience was not necessarily receptive to it when bo ryan left wisconsin and you said your sources were telling you that richard patino was next in line (laughs) Because you were joking that he was taking every job in the country at that time. Oh yes, right. Uh, yeah, we had uh, our favorite one on that one was we found this little prop plane when the Iowa State job opened up, and we had him at Iowa State and send his private plane in to pick up Petito, and we had a picture of this little private prop, this little tiny prop plane that had Richard <laughs> going to Ames. But I think people figured out after a while but uh, twitter's different i think you twitter's different on, on twitter but you can't uh, you know in in printed in a yeah in a publication because this this stuff lives forever you know so, and one of the uh, aggregators yeah. picked up that patino as a report because you're a newspaper man so clearly <laughs> oh, yes. you must have oh, information yes. yes 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 that's true that oh that happened uh, yeah oh yeah one of the all-timers was uh uh the uh, pack, the Vikings defeated the Packers at the Metrodome on a last-second play. Jim McMahon, they were going to get beat. Jim McMahon was a quarterback. And all of a sudden, Eric Gulliford, who caught one pass in his Viking, ter- in his Viking career, was wide open, like 30 yards down the field. And that Terrell Buckley, I think, was the defensive back. And he threw it to him, and Gelliford ran it down about the five-yard line. The Vikings kicked a field goal to win the game. It was like, uh, and the Packer fans were convinced that somehow the guy had sneaked onto the field. (laughs) (laughs) So about three days later, we had we found we found stuck stuck uh, stuck on some document from Dennis Go, a court document. This was when Denny was in one of his lawsuits. And it was a, it was stuck on a court document that the Star Tribune uncovered with a Snicker bar stuff, you know, with like a stuff from a Milky Way or a Snicker bar uh, was, and it showed the diagram of how Gulliford uh, snuck onto the field, and we had an artist, Jeez. artist have the diagram, and that, 
and that uh, whoever the quadre Israel went over and hit behind Denny, and then uh, you know Gulliver's we we had the whole thing. Yeah, and some radio station in Appleton, Wisconsin, picked it up. Oh no! Yeah, it's now been confirmed. Hey, they might whether they knew or not, Pat. That's four solid days of radio. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, so, and that's again. There was no. What if this actually? We didn't even have like. What if this actually happened? Right. We just did. Let's throw it out. So, well, Pat, yeah. Judd, and I did a twin show last week, and we weren't a hundred percent certain. But after your day one of these mythical columns, uh, we considered sending over a welfare check to Golden Valley. It sounds. It's good to hear that you're doing okay. When you said uh, in that column, Nolan Ryan was on the mound. Yeah, a lot of people are uh, having a little trouble with the whole concept. You but, said uh, the imagination thrives while quarantine. Yeah, well, I didn't write the editor's note. If, if, if it had been me, there wouldn't have been an editor's note. <laughs> we would have just put down on the bottom this game was played such and such. Yeah, 45 you know, years ago. <laughs> you, know me, you, know me and my, you know me and my relationship with readers. That's your problem. Yeah. That's not mine. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, I've and, heard that one once or twice. Tomorrow, I'll give you a heads up. We got uh, Johan seventeen strikeouts, Woo! which are right. occurring Tuesday, which are occurring Tuesday at Target Field. Can't wait! You know, it's uh, it certainly is something that would have never taken place. Every time we have a pandemic that shuts down America, we can try something. Get like a little that. creative. <laughs> well, the only time. For any listener who has not yet seen the series, here's all I can give you to be sort of a carrot on the stick, entice you to go. You wrote about Puckett's six hits. It was against the Brewers. And here's yeah. uh, here's Pat's, basically his closer. You can find it in the Star Tribune sports section uh, online, startribune.com slash sports. Uh, with all the Puckett heroics, the Twins did require a two-run pinch single from Gene Larkin off Plesek, Dan Plesek, uh, to break a 6-6 tie in the eighth. The switch-hitting Larkin has never had a bigger pinch hit in the majors and probably never will, at least not right-handed. Yeah, see, now if you don't know he won the World Series in 1991, left-handed pinch hit, then that falls completely flat. <laughs> but, but that's again, okay. That's your problem. That's your problem. <laughs> in fact, Pat, I think we just found the title of this podcast episode. <laughs> that's your problem. So I talked to the Glad Man today. Yeah, how's he doing? Another circumstance. He's in Arizona. He went. Uh, he went to Arizona for uh, when camp got broke up early. Yeah, and he's still stranded down there. Oh gosh. No, I, no he came home on the twins' flight, and then his tenant bailed on him. He's got a house down there. His yeah. tenant bailed on him. So then, then he went down there and. Now, St. Janice won't let him come home unless he's willing to be quarantined for two weeks. So he's staying in Arizona. But uh, he's, the, the word down there is, if and, and this is probably out there, is if they play empty stadium games, they're likely to be start in Arizona. Uh, and they, that's where they will have them play because of, because of travel. Uh, yep. You know, you have all the teams in a congested area. And uh, the, the games will all be played. They won't be in Fort Myers, jumping on buses, driving to Jupiter. No, no, like that. yeah. If so they're they that. if they if they play like two weeks, three weeks of no fan games, 
Now it'll be in the heat, but uh, they can play night games, you know. Yeah, and it'll it'll, it'll be in Arizona probably. And uh, you know, we talked last week and the week before that I, this was a bad idea, but uh, I I don't think we're gonna be able to wait for the celebration of a full stadium again. I do. I don't think that's coming July first, like we talked two weeks ago, Pat. No, no. If they're gonna play them, if they're gonna play a month of games. You know, before, you know, even before the middle of July, uh, you know, they're going to have to do it in empty ballparks, probably. Yeah, so there was a report. Um, and this is for TV. This is for, right. This is for FSN. This is for, uh, you know, and, and these these sports outlets that, you know, the regional sports networks and stuff, hell, they'll be able to, what, put put a bunch of trucks down there in the, in the same area and, you know, just fly in their TV crews. They won't all have to, they won't have to be spread out all over the country. It'll be uh, a cost saving, cost saving and give them something to put on TV. Yeah, I guess so. It's probably going to happen. There's a report in the athletic over the weekend, Pat, and maybe their source was uh, the Dazzleman Dan Gladden, but that there is this consideration that all teams start <laughs> their season in Arizona, you know, neutral site, I guess, except for the D backs. Um, all teams there, cut down on travel, no fans in attendance, and then you start getting into it as a what-if scenario, and there still seem to be, to me, a ton of logistical hurdles, like media and, you know, players, are yeah. are they allowed to go out at night, or do you go right to the hotel and back to the ballpark? There, there are a whole bunch of questions, to me, left unanswered. Well, I think Arizona is still, up. before you can do that, the, the i the do they have a like we have do they have shelter in place going on down there yet or not i will have I to mean, check on if that they got shelter if they got if they still have that thing going they they can't play baseball down there then i mean no it, it obviously if this is going to occur the whole pressure of this thing is going to have to let up on on uh you know, a lot of areas of the country, don't you think? Right, and that was one of the agreements between the owners and the players' union. They basically said, hey, all these bans on gatherings and stuff and travel bans, that's got to go before we play again. Yes, yeah, yeah. As of this uh, morning, Pat, there were only nine states that had not yet issued a shelter in place or something similar anyway, like Minnesota's is more stay-at-home, not quite as strict as, say, New York's. Uh, Don't go anywhere, don't do anything. Now, my virus expert tells me that heat is bad for the virus. The virus doesn't like heat. That was a theory. I don't know if this is... Not true? Well, dubious is how I would say. The uh, European Union's, uh, whatever their disease center is, like our CDC, uh, they said that Mm -hmm. there's some research out there that says this is uh, not as susceptible to the heat like the common flu or you know influenza might not take hold in july uh not quite so mm-hmm. sure about this one mm-hmm. well that's uh i'm sitting here uh right now looking at the pool cover and i i'm I, i'm sure that the pool guy wants to open this baby up but uh, i might have to stand guard here and make sure that uh, i i don't know what what if you got a backyard pool What's the deal? So we had a birthday party for the granddaughter yesterday, and uh, and uh, had it out in the driveway and stayed a appropriate number yeah. of feet apart. Yeah, so, I mean that's, all, that's it what was you a can good do. Day for a birthday, it was a good day for a drive uh, driveway. Oh, it was just beautiful this weekend, Pat. <laughs> that is the you <laughs> hey, said it last week. I it's got, the saving grace. I got back March fifth. There's been no winter. We had no winter since I came back. 
Parksville. Wow. By the way, as I'm sitting here in the backyard, I've been trying to figure out what this flag was across the way from me, two blocks over. I could see out the back because we don't have any leaves yet. Yeah, you know? of course. And I thought, I'm under, this might be like uh, some testimonial to America and stay in there, kind of a flag, because I haven't seen it before. It's a great big Packers flag. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so more or less. Whoever that neighbor is over there, I don't know of. They just want to hope that there's football. They don't care about any of the rest of this. They just want football. Well, they're probably an owner, Pat. Yeah, that's got, true. They got their slip are. of paper. Um, one other thing on the athletic, and I do want to save time today, Pat, to go visit a random twins team from the past. Um, if you've got your media guide handy in the backyard or not, I know you're you're a steel trap, so I'm not worried about if you got the paper oh, reference. Oh, I forgot that. So, but I can do a couple off my top of my head. Yeah, I figured so you might be that. able to. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to save yeah. some time for that. But I'll say there was a, a good piece that I would recommend anyone. Uh, looking for more information on baseball restarting and stuff, Andy McCullough, one of my favorites over the years, wrote a piece uh, for The Athletic. What happens if baseball is back and a player tests positive? And and it's an unanswerable question, of course. I, I, did you see that? The NFL guy basically said that. As long as one person is testing positive and we got to shut down everything around him and everywhere he's been, yeah. then we can't play. Yeah, I, can't mean, play. I saw that, yeah, from a consultant NFL doctor. But there's just that that just seems so far off in the distance to me. I mean, that's, I, I know. Is there, is that what we're waiting for? Do we have to eradicate it? Well, yeah, I guess. Before we play? I mean, if there's some guy in uh, Pueblo, Colorado, can the, can the, uh, can the Rockies play a baseball game? Well, so the answer I think would be yes. However, where it gets logistically complicated, and, and the piece does a really good job of just going through this thought experiment as we're doing now, that yeah, if 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 one guy were to test positive, then what would you do? And if the answer is shut her down completely, then you yeah, got to question you restarting. Yeah, and you know, and don't start until there's a better answer to what would happen in that case, and how could you ensure the safety of not only the team and the you know personnel, but also so, the public. So you think we can broadcast the uh, the pregame thermometer taking the temperature taking? <laughs> we could, you know, have everybody have everybody line up out there, and uh, you know, you got the FSN cameras there. <laughs> Now's the drama of who's going to get to play tonight. Now oh, he can't no. play tonight because his temperature is 100.5. You know. Sponsored by 3M. <laughs> yeah, right. Now he can play, but he's got to wear a mask. Sure. All right. Okay. How's the mask? How's the mask going to be first? Uh, first swing it. Unbelievable. Know. Um, Pat, yeah. before we do get to your random uh, sports or twins team from the past, I do want to get in a read for our friends from Ronald McDonald House. Um, as you may have heard, Pat, Score North has partnered with Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to help ensure that our area children continue to receive the meals and care that they need during the coronavirus outbreak. Thanks to Louisa Rise and the twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Louisa Rise jersey. Your contribution enables Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis. Those services include overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com, keyword donate. 
Pat, of the Twins teams in the past, I'll give you a choice here. You can either go with the 1965 team that I had our guys uh, riled up about last week, or you can pick a random team of your choice and we'll save the, the boys of 65 for another week. What would you like to do, sir? I am going to do, I covered, I was a beat guy for five years is all. I mean, I did a lot of road trips after that, but 74 to 78. I love those guys, but my favorite team from that period is obviously the 1977 Twins, ah. uh, who, who had uh, Drew, Heisel, Bostock, uh, Mox, uh, second year's manager. They'd, uh, 76, they'd made the trade for Blylevin, Smalley. You know, they traded Blylevin, they got Smalley back, and a couple other players. Uh, Mock uh, platooned at. Uh, this is when you got 15 position players and 10 pitchers, you know. Mock platooned vir- in virtually everywhere. Uh, he, he platooned all over the place. And then you had that those studs in the middle. He had Disco Danny Ford, and, of course, who was one of the great. Oops, the Hawk just came flying by. Those Cardinals won't like that, man. They'll oh, be, no. Uh, very upset. The mice yeah. better scatter. We got the neighborhood, uh, the neighborhood uh, Hawk. Kind of makes everything go quiet around here. <laughs> this has never so happened anyway, on Ricey on Baseball team, or the Twin Show. But that team was, uh, you know, just this is, you know, you could play a sixteen to twelve game in three hours and twenty minutes. You know, it, yeah, it wasn't a five-hour game like the Yankees and the Twins last year. Uh, so it didn't drive you crazy, but that team was great. To cover because a they could hit like crazy. I mean they were unbelievable how good they were. They were they got thirty five hits in Boston on in one double hitter, twenty four hits in one game. Wow! But uh, but the uh, White Sox were you know that was Bill Vec went out and signed all these free agents. The one before signed all these guys who were going to be free agents or got these Richie Sisk and Oscar Gamble and all these guys who were only going to be there for one year. They were the South Side hitmen, and Comiskey Park was jumping, and uh, the, the Twins were, you know, drawn like they hadn't drawn in years for that team, and they had some of the great brawls of all time. Twins went down there. They, they came here on June 26th, and uh, that's the famous crew game where yeah. he goes up over to 406. He goes to 406. Glenn Adams, 19 to 12 games. Stu Thornley's drunk, climbs the left field foul pole as a raucous youth. And uh, 1912, 1912, and uh, Glenn Adams gets eight RBIs, blah, blah, blah. Well, the Twins go back there the next weekend to South, to Chicago. You know, the Twins, I think, were three ahead. They lost four in three days. They went out one behind. But, uh, that was a Sunday doubleheader, game one of the Sunday doubleheader. Twins are going to win, and Disco Danny Ford forgets his sunglasses, and the ball drops. He, he looks up into the sun. He can't see the ball, and the White Sox end up rallying. Oh. Mock, mock, mock is just steam coming off his head between games, man. I poke my head in to talk to him and turn right around and walk out. <laughs> so I'll get you after the but second man, one. The pitch, they just ran out of pitching. I mean, Dave Goltz was good, but they just didn't have enough pitching. They ran out of pitching in August and limped to the finish. But uh, 
man, that team could hit. And they were entertaining guys, good guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was, that's probably the favorite. That's my favorite team I ever covered. One of my favorite twins teams. I mean, that was the year Rodney was on time and sports illustrated, the cover of time magazine and sports illustrated the yeah. same week. Wow. When they thought he was going to hit 400, yeah. ended up at 380. Well, he played 156 games that year, and he traditionally hadn't played that many. He was uh, he was uh, fantastic, and and he was barely their best player. Heisel and Posnack were both great too. He finished at 388 average, but it is remembered as one of the last summers of chasing 400. I was 200. And how many hits? 232. 220 something, right? Yeah. Uh, how many hits? 239 hits. 239 hits, yeah. We well, also, the only year he knocked in 100 and scored a, I think he scored 100 and knocked in 114, or the other way around, he scored 114 and knocked in 100. I can't remember. Bostic was just one hit short of 200 as well that summer, to your oh, yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, he was a monster. You know, got murdered a year later. Just, yeah. What a great guy too. He was he was a he was my one of my all time favorite players. Right? He was a character. He was a character. He got uh I do we got how much time we got left? We yeah, got we got here. a few minutes. Oh yeah, because Lyman I, I think I have told this story, obviously I've told every story I've ever told before. But uh uh Lyman was out and for the St. Paul didn't send me to LA for a series. They were cutting back that summer or something, I think. It might have been a year earlier. No, that was that summer. And uh, they didn't send me to L.A. for a series in Anaheim. must have been all-night games or something. The story popped on the L.A. Times of Lyman ripping the Twins and saying he couldn't wait to get out, right? Yeah. And and so we picked it up. Uh, we The St. Paul paper, we had the L.A. Times wire, so we picked it up off the L.A. Times wire. So they come flying in on a red-eye uh, that either – Charter or Red Eye, I don't know, but they get in like at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. Lyman grabs the paper to see what they're saying about him. He was a very sensitive kid. He didn't want to get booed, you know. 6 o'clock in the morning, my phone rings in Prior Lake, and it's him. Ruzi. I said, who the hell is this? He says, Lyman. I said, hey, good ball game or something. He says, did you see this story in your paper? You gotta, you gotta help me out here. Says you got to help me out, so he gave me this story. I was misquoted all the BS about how I was misquoted. Yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah blah. I love the Twins fans and stuff, and I cranked it out for the afternoon dispatch. We still had an afternoon newspaper. I cranked it out for the uh, afternoon dispatch. Lyman apologizes for misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the hardest thing wasn't right that it was convincing the our. Uh, our desk of lazy old timers to put it in the paper. Yeah, squeeze it in there. We don't want to. That's like uh, Bob Fowler was the St. Paul writer, and he uh, was out being a rounder one night in Oakland, and Harmon and Tony Oliva, this is early 70s, probably 71, are both at the front desk checking out like at quarter to five and and Fowler says what the hell are you guys doing and they said 
Oh, Harmon says, I fouled the ball off my toe, and I think I broke it. And it, was, it gave Harmon the rest of trouble the rest of his life. And mm-hmm. Tony had dived for a ball. Tony had dived for a ball in Oakland and basically ruined his knee for life. It was already bad, but it ruined it. So there they are, the KO punch. <laughs> the, the heart and soul of the Twins, they're both heading for the airport. With, one is limping on one leg and the other is limping on the other leg. And just because he was out carousing, Hop Fowler has the scoop, right, for the afternoon paper. Nobody else knows this. And he calls up the desk at the dispatch and says, uh, hey, I got this story. And I said, ah, give us three graphs. <laughs> <laughs> the story of the decade for the twins. So, so, give us so three graphs. So when I called in with my uh, with my postdoc scoop, I, I was a surprise. They didn't say, ah, who cares? You know, give us three graphs. <laughs> or maybe write it for tomorrow. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, right. It'll be a good, that'll be a good story for the final <laughs> Killabrew Oliva uh, should get at least three graphs, I would think. Uh, Pat, I look forward to next week on Royce picks a random Twins team and talks about it because I do eventually want to get to this 1965 and, and the whole Dodgers drama and all of this. I know you weren't on the beat yet, but I'm sure you got some memories of that year too. Oh yeah, I was at uh, I was at Game Six in left field. Uh, my brother and I had, I had four tickets, and we got that was Game Six when Mudcat hit his home run. The Twins, uh, Mudcat's home run landed about five rows away from us, and we had four tickets, and we managed to get fourteen guys to ball into the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was some uh, that was some sneaking going on, I'll tell you. So, Probably yeah, not going to stories about that team. Uh, you wouldn't see that same result in 2020 or 2021. No, the security a little a little better. <laughs> hey, look up there. Incredible. Pat, I'm looking forward to talking about it next week. Thanks so much for uh, calling in from the Golden Valley uh, Depot here. All right, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. This has been Score North Twin Show, Roycey on Baseball. He's Patrick Roycey. I'm Derek Wetmore. If you cut us on the radio, be sure to check it out on the podcast. Just search Score North Twin Show. If you're listening on the podcast, we thank you. And don't forget, we have a radio show, Monday nights at 6. We'll look forward to talking more baseball and twins with you coming up soon. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 952- 925-5608 and set up your 48-minute no-obligation consultation. Call 952-925-5608. You'll always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Call Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here from my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz.